John. 14. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 223 of 40 Going On 14. I am Mike. I am Patrick. I'm Joel. And I'm Josh. And 2018 will be the year I'm going to make Fetch happen. <laughs> Stop trying to make Fetch happen, Josh. It's not going to happen. He's talking about with Chewy. Yeah, Chew- <laughs> Way to be, Pat. Poor dog just wants to play fetch. You won't let him. To be fair, my dog's pretty dumb. I'm not sure he quite gets fetch. <laughs> Neither did anybody in that movie. True. So, uh, if you picked up on that, maybe? <laughs> we did, uh, I guess, what was the theme? What was the Evil girl clicks? Yeah, I mean, that was the uniting theme between the two movies. Is You've got a click in each case of three kind of awful girls and then the outsider girl who is your protagonist. Yeah, yeah. So we did Mean Girls versus Heathers. This is this is the Bitches Be Trippin' episode. There you go. If you like bitches, wait. <laughs> that's all I got to work with. Yeah, that's you all might, we left in there. You might love the shows on the Podcast Collective, including On the Block, Dating Baggage, Mint in Box Cast, and of course, the Rad Dad Radio Hour. Red Dad Radio Hour. We're gonna have to convince him to make that their theme song for now. <laughs> like, you think you've got a theme song, but listen to this. Yeah, we're gonna find out just like the left field sports lounge at the Rad Dad Radio Hour actually hasn't recorded in like two years. Right. <laughs> They're defunct. Oh, that would be sad. I want to. You know. Us getting pumped up about your podcast is like the kiss of death. Right? Oh, crap. If you like the kiss of death, you can find us on iTunes, Blueberry, <laughs> Stitcher, TalkShoe, and Podverse FM. And on the, think, uh, what is it? Something Geek Radio. Geek Life. Okay, Rad Dad Radio Hour, least recorded on December 15th. Oh, good. All right. Geek Life Radio. Still alive. Yeah, Geek Life Radio, 12 o'clock noon on Saturdays before the turnbuckle throwbacks. Oh. Ah, that's a twist. There. That's a twist. Um, 708-NOW-RAP, 708-669-9727 is our call-in number. And we are also looking for your comments. Uh, we are we have a, a survey out there. So if you head over to our Facebook page, it's pinned to the top of our Facebook page. And uh, Facebook, 40Go14. And um, please, come on over. We want to know what you want. What do you want? What you don't want? You want a T-shirt? You want a coffee mug? You want to be a guest? You want... Uh, <laughs> Survey Monkey answers to no one. Pray for Survey Monkey. (laughs) (laughs) What do you want, Marge? It's cholesterol's through the roof. (laughs) Yes. Take our Survey Monkey survey. (laughs) Oh, yes. That's what we should do. Get Survey Monkey to take our survey. Yes. We'll create an infinite loop. It's monkeys all the way down. (laughs) Wow. That wasn't even... Good stuff there, Pat. You No, it's turtles all the way down. That's a great reference. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. References are sick. Everybody knows that. <laughs> oh fuck, it is about that time. It totally is. This week in music. Movies and TV. And sports. Alright, so the date that we have for this week is March thirty first, nineteen eighty nine, the release of me of uh Heathers. Yes. Yes. So, music. 
music. The top three songs in the land are Roxette's The Look, Millie Vanilli's Girl You Know It's True, and the number one is The Bangles with Eternal Flame. I unabashedly love two of the three of those songs. I'm going to go with it's not Millie Vanilli. <laughs> you are correct, sir. Girl, <laughs> you know it's true. <laughs> oh, what's wrong with Millie Vanilli? They suck. I can think of two things wrong with Millie Vanilli. Millie and Vanilli. <laughs> Rob <laughs> and Fab. Don't speak ill of the dead. Why not? Yeah, what are they going to do? They're dead. Yeah, exactly. They can't come up and do anything. I'm just one of them. Burt but... Lancaster, you suck. <laughs> well, we we will come back. We got him. He had it coming. <laughs> um, on this day in uh, music history, everybody <laughs> took a new interest in whistling as Guns N' Roses released their soon-to-be hit single, Patience. That was a good song. I like that song very much. Everybody liked that song. That was at, like at the peak of their powers. Okay. Yeah, I mean the band was the band was great. Oh Jesus Christ! Uh oh. <laughs> are, are you crashing? No, that was it. We've got an update for you. Re- <laughs> the new Google Fire Phone. Wendy, screw it. I'm running. Let's go. Guns and Roses. <laughs> uh, they I'm were actually... awesome at this time. It's it's not their fault that uh, Axl Rose was a jackass. I mean the band was good. Apparently they're doing great on this new tour. Uh, I I would had a chance to go see him and I didn't want to buy a ticket because I thought he might flake out, but all my friends that went to go see it said it was an amazing show. Cool. I've heard good things from people who have gone. Nice. So, so maybe, maybe he's finally got his head on straight after realizing, uh, you know, life, life may not be that great if you're not in guns and roses. <laughs> it may be the cake that's slowing him down now. He no, that. I mean, everybody says he's lost weight and everything he looks and sounds like old Axel. Yeah. Hmm. Don't you talk shit about cake. It's never Cake's fault. I like Brave Cake. for Survey Monkey. <laughs> On March 21st, Madonna's Like a Prayer music video debuted and immediately attracted criticism for its use of Catholic Church. Iconog- oh, there's <laughs> I'm Ron Burgundy. <laughs> <laughs> On March 21st, Madonna's Like a Prayer music video debuted and immediately attracted criticism for its use of Catholic Church iconography and cross-burning imagery, but also garnered praise for its interpretation of discrimination, rape, and faith. Pepsi dropped Madonna as a spokesperson out of fear the video would cause religious groups to boycott the company. And we know that Pepsi is always great about tastefully using social issues. (laughs) (laughs) Look what it did to Michael Jackson. All you need to to stop a protest is a can of Pepsi. (laughs) All right. All, all injustices go away with Pepsi. <laughs> Movies. Fletch Lives was the number one movie in America. Good. Isn't saying much for America. Yeah, it was all right, but not not nearly as good as just Fletch. I absolutely love Fletch, and Fletch Lives uh, wasn't horrible, but it was definitely not as good as the original. But I'm going to go so probably far. Probably shouldn't have even been made. I'm going to go so far as to say Fletch Lives ruined Fletch a little for me. Yeah, see, I didn't think it was that bad. Horrible, but it didn't really add anything. Unlike, you know, uh, Caddyshack 2, which was awful and should not have been made, and uh, Christmas Story 2, awful, should not have been made. Yeah, we definitely went over that. Etc. Yeah, let's spend another 30 minutes talking about how bad Christmas Story 2 is. (laughs) Well, what's wrong with Daniel Stern? (laughs) March 29th was the 61st Academy Awards. 
seeing Rain Man take four Oscars and Jodie Foster, Kevin Klein, and Gina Davis, among other winners. What was Gina Davis's win for? Um, Earth Girls are easy. It's a good question. I wish you'd asked any of the other ones. I knew them. All right. Jodie Foster. Jodie Foster was the accused. Kevin Klein was a fish called Wanda. I don't remember what uh, Gina Davis was. She was Best Supporting Actress in The Accidental Tourist. Oh, uh, okay. Mm. I've never seen it. Me either. That's probably why I didn't remember it, I guess. There we go. Dort Clark, character actor from the 50s and 60s with an extensive IMDb page, died on March 30th. He had so many things that I couldn't list them. Oh, my God. It's I. He's from... I, uh God, what's one where the guy's dressed in drag and they're on the train? Something like it hot? Something like it hot. He was the uh the millionaire um one that was chasing after uh Nobody's Perfect, that guy? Yeah. That was him? I think that's what who he looks like. Huh. Well, and they're also all out of Dort license plates in the gift shop. <laughs> <laughs> Come along, <Nice>. Dort. <laughs> he was in the fugitive. Oh, I okay. I have seen this. It's it's one of those faces. You're like, oh, it's that dude. Yeah, yeah. He's a he's a hey, it's that guy. He's yeah. one of them. That's why I said character actor. Yeah. yeah, for sure. He was the cop in uh, Arsenic and Old Lace. Mm, good one. All right, is that what is that? Is that the last one? Yeah, it's the last one for movies. Yeah. All right, top shows in the land are Roseanne, Cheers, The Cosby Show, and the acronym of the week, which is ADW. Of course, that's Anteater Dick William. Also known as the 80s Mount Rushmore. What? <laughs> you know, it's got a penis with a little tongue that comes out of the end. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, I thought it, Dick Williams was his name, and he was a, a person who ate ants. No, no, no. He had an anteater dick. Oh, anteater dick Williams. I got mm, it. That makes okay. so much more sense now. Yeah, like. Yeah, I get it now. What? <laughs> No, sorry, but bad guess. That is a different world. And where you come from. Why? Those four shows are like the top shows of the 80s. Oh, I thought you were saying like something from a different world. No, just oh, those okay. four shows. Oh, no. Yeah, that's totally true. I could see Kadidam Hardison on the uh, Mount Rushmore next to like Lincoln and, you know. With a penis with a little tongue that comes out of it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's my fetish. Um, March 27th, the first. Oh, man, you, you, you could have sex and go down on a woman at the same time. All right, I'm right? marking down that time. That shit's getting taken out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That'd be the one thing that didn't, didn't yeah. get missed. <laughs> Entire rest of the recording screwed up, except for that one phrase. <laughs> All right, March 27th, the first African-American soap opera, Generations, premieres on NBC. There you go. I vaguely remember the promos for that, but that's about it. Yeah. Uh, spanning... 826 episodes on CBS, Card Sharks comes to an end yet again, first appearing on NBC for 864 episodes and then continuing on after CBS in syndication for another 260-episode run, just proving that everybody loves a good game show. That's a hell of a lot of episodes. It's no, you know, what was that show in England that we were talking about? Well, that wasn't a game show. No. What was it? Something, Coronation Street. Yeah. Yeah. Nice memory. And I think that's the first time I've ever said that in response to that. I know, right? <laughs> shut up. I got a great memory just because I'm a, you know, I got a great, uh, shut up. <laughs> and point made. Derpy, 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 derp. 
I'm an excellent driver. <laughs> right. Uh, March 26th sees the release of the Scott Bakula show that everybody wanted. Quantum Leap lasted 97 episodes, and I don't think he ever got home. You never found out if he went got home at the end. Oh, boy. Because they were supposed to have one more season, and they abruptly pulled the rug out from under him. Yeah. This is one of Suzanne's favorite old-school sci-fi shows, and she still holds a grudge for the fact that she doesn't know whether or not they got home. Just tell her uh, they didn't. All right. Lost in time and space forever. Thank you. There you go. Right. Yeah, that'll, that'll, that'll settle that and make her happy. Yeah. The answer is oh no. <laughs> and in sports, on April 4th, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar played his final NBA game in Seattle, locking in his record at a practically untouchable 1,797 games played total between the NBA playoffs and regular season. Wow. And that's a pretty much untouchable, basically, because of the length of his career. And Yeah, he, had, he, had, uh, he played the most years out of anybody, and actually there's only one guy that played more regular season games than him, but he actually beat him in playoff games. Uh, Robert Parrish fell two games short of matching Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and probably the only person that's even going to come close to that might be LeBron James right now. About how long is an average basketball game? Uh, a game yeah. is, is 48 minutes of actual regulation time. Game usually takes about two, two and a quarter to two and a half hours if there's no overtime. Okay, so about 48 hour, 48 minutes for... All right, yeah, but not everybody, you know, not not very many people play all 48 minutes. It's usually anywhere from 30 to 40 minutes each, depending on okay. the, the player. Okay, well, let's see, 30 to 40 minutes? So if I do it again... I would four- say Akeem probably, or Kareem probably played about 35 minutes a game. Yeah, I was going to say, he, he had, uh, if I remember correctly from when he was active, he was one of the players that played close to all of the game. Yeah, yeah, he was, he was definitely... Had had the stamina and the skill to play a full game, you know, because some people don't get to play a full game because of foul trouble, this and that, and, yeah. he, and he was just—he's literally like one of the top five. He's on the Mount Rushmore of NBA. He's one of the top four or five players ever to play the game. That is one thousand forty-eight point two five hours of basketball, and that's just playing in the games. That's not even talking practice in high school yeah. and college and everything. Yeah, I mean he. He he literally is the, is one of the Mount Rushmores of of the game. He really is, and he can fly a damn good plane. <laughs> yeah, Wilt Chamberlain's on the mountain as well, but it's not his face. <laughs> <laughs> and a uh, a different world. Don't forget. <laughs> I would say I would say the Mount Rushmore of, of the NBA is Kareem, Michael Jordan, Wilt Chamberlain, and the third one is the one that everybody contends is probably Bill Russell, though. Spud Webb. <laughs> Len Bias. <laughs> he didn't play basketball. Well, he would have if he hadn't died. <laughs> I think that's a big thing in playing basketball. Are you alive? Right. That's the first qualification. You have to be alive. Well, very well. Cool. my career. <laughs> and moving on, uh, Vani Bouvachon. I'm not really sure how to pronounce that. I think that's name. right, Bouvachon. Yeah. I, yeah, we looked it up, and that's the correct spelling and everything, but I'm not sure how to... Yeah, Bouvachon, B-apostrophe-V-S-E-A-N. It's very Creole. Vani, or the V is silent, Vani Bashan, whatever, Miller Jr., known as Von Miller, is an outside, NFL outside linebacker for the Denver Broncos, and he was born March 26th. He was an All-American at Texas A&M, where he was awarded the Butkus Award as the most outstanding college linebacker in the nation. Drafted by the Broncos... He is a six-time Pro Bowl selection, receiving first-team All-Pro honors as a rookie. Miller was named 2015 Super Bowl MVP. 
Following his Super Bowl victory, he appeared on season 22 of Dancing with the Stars. So he is definitely one of the superstars of the NFL. And he was born this week. Congratulations. I'd like some Ew. and some Boudin. <laughs> Smack him down, rack him, rack him. <laughs> she co-cocked the beat. That's right. not what he says. I don't know what he says. <laughs> he says, ho, got to be. That's what he says. Just I that. don't speak jive. Well, I do. Thank you very much. <laughs> Excuse me, Joel. I speak jive. The <laughs> Texas dialect of jive. <laughs> <laughs> and on March 27th, this is copied and pasted, so I have no idea what this sentence means. It's just so, so no questions. Delhi beat Bengal by innings and 210 to win Cricket's Ranji Trophy. Good for you, Delhi. <laughs> Way to go, Delhi. Huh. I wonder if innings is something like winning by straight sets in tennis and 210 is a score. Maybe. That's what I'm assuming. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. I, I have my the two CEOs at my company are Indian and they're I think they're first generation born here. And I took some of our cricket questions to them once and I was like, hey, I know cricket's huge in India. Can you guys explain any of this to me? And they're like, we have no idea. <laughs> awesome. Like, good. So they're like, it's huge. <laughs> I was like, dude, I'm from Naperville, you racist fuck. <laughs> he starts explaining the darts game to him. <laughs> uh, well, hey, in my defense, they're, they're, they're suggesting, like, because they know I watch a lot of movies. They're like, if you like movies, you should check out, like, Fung Cheng and Nian Dying, which is some sort of, like, Bollywood movies. They're, they're like, emailing me Bollywood movies to watch. Aha, uh-huh. well then he's got yeah, then then he's got the green light, I think. Yeah. At that point. But we're gonna find out at some point, you know, I've just been going without my knowledge to some like practical joke cricket news site, like the, the Indian <laughs> version of the onion. <laughs> <laughs> White guy doesn't know Delhi doesn't have a team. <laughs> we'll get we'll get really, really popular in India as like a joke. <laughs> satire they're like, like listen these guys don't know anything about cricket ha 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 he said yeah, that's, that's a weirdly specific parody <laughs> fake cricket news <laughs> the guys that created it were like we got him i'll take any i'll take any fame i could get at this point <laughs> and then moving on in on april 1st in the new york in the first new york met new york yankee game held in the, in new york city since 1983 the Yankees won four to three. There used to be a time when there was not like interdivisional play. You know? Oh. And did one of the teams switch divisions? Yeah, yeah. The, the, the okay. Nets and the and the Yankees are in, in completely different divisions. But um. But they weren't at one point, which is why it had happened in '83. Correct. Gotcha. Okay. All makes sense. Or you know what? In all honesty, that could have been could have been the World Series or something. I don't know. Ah. A, yeah. But anyway, yeah. I don't uh, know any different. Yeah, me either. I mean, that's about it. My, my knowledge of baseball is, is limited because I don't really watch it, but uh, it's still better than you guys'. <laughs> yeah. And then lastly in sports, uh, on April 2nd at WrestleMania five, Hulk Hogan with George the Animal Steel in his corner defeated Randy Macho Man Savage to retain his title in the main event. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> George the Animal Steel. <clears throat> Wrestling was a simpler time back then. Oh, you gotta love George the Animal Steel. Yeah, he was the... a um, he was a uh, high school football coach and chemistry teacher 
when he uh, when when he got picked up in the WWF at the time, and he was a very very intelligent man with a college degree, but played a uh, a, a simpleton crazy man with a shaved head and a completely hairy front and back torso and a green tongue. And he was like a monstrous guy who couldn't speak English. And he was like a simpleton and he would like walk around like a monkey and like steal other people's women and carry them backstage and stuff. Like he, one of the, one of the plot lines was he fell in love with uh, Elizabeth, Randy Macho Man Savage's uh, corner girl oh. slash wife. He died last year. Yep. Oh. 79. And he was also one of my father's favorite wrestlers too. I actually have a, uh, a George the Animal Steel uh, wrestling figurine that my dad used to have in his office. Nice. Yep. So just on the off, I was seeing where we rank in India. In India? Yeah. <laughs> um, strangely enough, uh, Australia has dropped on the ranking list. Guess what our number two uh, country is? We used to be number United States, Australia, and then UK for... Really? Ahead of Canada? Yeah. United States, Japan, <laughs> got 11,000 in Japan, Ger- oh, and Germany, and then the UK and Canada. Huh. I, I would not have expected that. Uh, maybe we're too rude for Canadians. <laughs> maybe, maybe, I, yeah. But wouldn't it be rude for them to listen to us and not listen to us later? They're being rude if they had listened to us before and gave up on us. Oh, shit. And they just dropped further down the list. It's Canadians all the way down. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that will do it for the Twee. Play us out, keyboard Joel. Nah, 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 nah. <laughs> All right. So we decided to get a little bit on the, I don't know, feminine side. What? <laughs> I don't know. We this week we watched Heather. Get in touch with our inner uh, high school girls. No, that's <laughs> worse somehow. <laughs> <Don't>. <laughs> <laughs> and we're on another list. No crap. There goes Canada again. We, we just moved up in Germany, though. <laughs> <laughs> what? Ah, our popularity in Japan is becoming apparent. <laughs> All right. So we watched Heather's 1988 and compared it to uh, Mean Girls, which has, oh, Mean Girls, first time I'd ever seen it. And Heather's, is this anybody's first time? No. I saw it like way back in the day, mm-hmm. like right after uh, probably 90, 91, uh, and vaguely remembered liking it. Mention of it came up in my film class last year, and it came up on my radar again. I was like, wait a minute. I vaguely remember this movie, but I don't think I appreciated it. So it's almost fresh eyes for me. Okay. And I'm pretty much the same way. I saw it back in like uh, the mid-90s. And didn't care for it, didn't hate it or anything. Just didn't care. I didn't. I didn't understand the the, the popularity it has. I remember that. And I, and then this is the first time since it. So it's been over twenty years since I've seen it. Yeah, this is about the same for me. Yeah, I saw it when it first came out, and uh, oh, sounds like we're all on the same page as yeah. far as that goes. Okay. So, in case you don't know, in order to get out of the snobby clique that's destroying her good girl reputation, an intelligent teen teams up with a dark sociopath to kill the cool kids. That is technically correct and a horrible description of this movie. Yes. Yeah. Thanks, IMDb. Yep. So, but uh, it's got a 95% on critics' side on uh, Rotten Tomatoes. And um, <clears throat> it's it got a new weird popularity to it because, like we had said, right after we decided 
to do a Heather show, um, there's a TV series that's slated for 2018. Well, yeah, yep. that's yeah, slated I'm for this year. I'm actually kind of glad we didn't wait. Yeah. Because given the themes in this, there is no way they're going to pull that off. Oh, no. And we'll get into some of this some of the, in a little bit. But also, 2010, Heather's was a stage musical, um, which was kind of funny because I was watching it with Katie and Jeff for about Heathers, like... Heather's, Heather's, Heather's. <laughs> yeah, for about, Shoot him in the face. <laughs> for about <laughs> 20 minutes, Katie's watching it with me and she looks at me and she goes, when are they going to start singing? I'm like, what are you talking about? She goes, this is a musical, right? I'm like, no. What are you What are you talking about? Um, but yeah, I watched some of the musicals. It's 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 by uh, Andy Fickman, the guy who did the musical version of uh, Reefer Madness. Okay, that makes sense. Where you take, uh, it's kind of like an ironic. This movie should never be made into a musical, so let's do that. Right. Right. Exactly. So uh, this, like I said, this one's directed by Michael Lemon. Lehman? Lehman, Lehman, I think. Lehman. Lehman. Lehman, who's um, done some American Horror Story, 40 Days, 40 Nights, and the classic Hudson Hawk. Ooh, yes. Hudson Hawk is oh, a... Oh, this is going to be an interesting session. Yeah, Hudson Hawk is a stupid... Uh... <laughs> Would you like to swing on a star? See, Joel loves it. You guys think it's stupid, and I think you're both right. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of love it because it's kind of stupid. It is. It's, exactly. I mean, what's her face doing the dolphin impersonation? <clears throat> okay, before we get on that. So, Daniel Waters is a writer for this, also for Hudson Hawk, Batman Returns, and something called Sex and Death 101, uh, also starring Winona Ryder. So, Daniel uh, Waters is, um, <clears throat> I, I've discovered this week, is one of my least favorite Hollywood writers. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, we'll go, we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so this stars... Spoilers, I do not like this movie. <laughs> I think that's just everyone's under over right yeah, there. Yeah, we're going to be arguing. <laughs> so Winona Ryder, uh, you may know her nowadays from uh, Stranger Things, where she plays pretty much creepy a girl... Creepy Space Mom. Yeah, Creepy Space Mom, where she pretty much plays... Crazy Face, crazy face not Creepy crazy face. face Mom? <laughs> well, I don't know, Creepy You're Space... you kind of right. I know, I'm like... <laughs> Creepy Space Mom, that works. Once again, both sides are right. Yeah. So uh, she, I, I almost, she almost plays a grown-up version of Veronica Sawyer in uh, Stranger Things. I don't know if I agree with that. Well, I don't care. She's like a, she's <laughs> like a genius forger in this movie. That's true. Uh, Christian Slater, Jason Dean, or JD, uh, on this one. If you don't know who Christian Slater is, uh, go check out True Romance, Very Bad Things. Joel, what else? You what else? Some <laughs> Hard Rain. <laughs> oh, that's Pump up the volume. Oh, nice. yeah. I love Pump up the volume. Oh, oh. that movie sucks. And uh, um, Mr. Robot. Yeah, and if you like to see the funny side of Slater, he actually plays a character called Slater on Archer. Oh yes, and he's brilliant. He really uh, is. Interview with the Vampire. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, Shannon Doherty, known for... What's that? Beverly Hills 90210. Mallrats and yeah. Charmed, also. Being a bitch. I actually yeah. like Shannon Doherty. You do? She doesn't like you. She calls Nobody and, does. She calls us and told us. <laughs> she did. She left a voice <laughs> Why didn't we play it? Hi, this is Shannon Doherty. Pat sucks. <laughs> it's mostly a series of clicks and whistles. <laughs> 
I don't know what that meant, but I figured it would get somebody to laugh. <laughs> just oh. The idea of Shannon already calling up. <laughs> this, this, show is, this is Shannon Doherty. Taking a weird. <laughs> In conclusion, Patrick sucks. This is Shannon Doherty. <laughs> um, Heather McNamara as Liz, Liz. I'm sorry, Lizanne Falk as Heather. Uh, who's been in Say Anything, Night on Earth, and something called Leather Jackets. Her last thing was in 2002, was a short called Casablanca. So yeah. The last thing most people would have remembered her from was probably Suicide Kings. Yeah. Leather Jackets. In Ger- it's got a German poster for it. Leather Jacken. <laughs> kind of weird. Um, Kim Walker as Heather Chandler. And uh, you know her again. Say anything. She was also in the TV show Hunter. Last thing oh, yes. she's done is something called Killing Cinderella in 2000. Uh, she was also in, which we need to figure out a way to do this show, do a show on this, but uh, The Adventures of Briscoe County Jr. Did you guys talk about that during the break? I was going to say, I, I think we said about as much as we could about that. I don't know if it got a full half a show, but we talked a lot about Briscoe. Yeah. One of the best purchases I ever made was a box set, Briscoe County Jr. <laughs> I concur, sir. Ah, oh, shit. Joel agreed with me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Christian Slater has stated that his performance was heavily inspired by Jack Nicholson. No, no kidding. No, go on. <laughs> uh, he claims that he wrote a letter to Nicholson asking him to watch the film, but never received a answer back. Is anybody surprised? <laughs> Originally, the book that suicidal students supposedly underline meaningful passages from before committing suicide is Catcher in the Rye. Uh, the producers could not get permission from J.D. Salinger to use the book, and it was changed to Moby Dick because Herbin Melville's works are in the public domain. But they still named him J.D., so yep. tip of the hat there. Uh, Winona Ryder's agent begged her not to be in the movie, stating that it would kill her career and her career would then be over and uh they were wrong <laughs> she had a lull there for a while but there was there was but was it immediately after this movie no no not at I all i didn't think so that's what i'm saying it was it was due to a shoplifting charge i was on mute i didn't realize but it was no she was huge there for a while in the 90s i know and then remember uh how how bad publicity that was because i mean nowadays it wouldn't even get press but i mean back then like celebrities were still at that kind of point seen as uh, people ab- above the, the common person, and so she got raked over the coals for that stupid shoplifting charge. Yeah. Now people's yeah. careers get started because of shoplifting. Exactly, <laughs> and people get started. No, literally, people's careers get started for sex tapes now. That's ridiculous. And, and she, I mean, she got blacklisted for a shoplifting charge. So yeah, not only did this not end her career, this was immediately before Edward Scissorhands, Mermaids, Bram Stoker's Dracula, and Reality Bites. So yeah, yeah, she was one of the top upcoming Hollywood starlets when that happened, hmm. and then you know for like years she disappeared all all because of a bullshit like fucking purse or whatever the fuck it was. Yeah. Oh man, I, I'm looking through her thing. Scanner Darkly. She was fantastic. I've never seen that. Oh, you should. Totally Believe it should. or not, never, and neither have I. I think I've actually rented it with the intention of seeing oh, it and what? not gotten around to finishing it. Oh. And I know I'd love it. It's you, just one of those things. It. I mean, Joel, Joel, have you seen it? Hmm. 
I'm not sure that I have actually. Holy crap! I can't believe it. am I the only person that has seen this movie? It's it's a Philip K. Dick novel done by Richard Linklater. Oh, I know why Patrick hasn't seen it because it has Keanu Reeves. It's yep. all rotoscoped or whatever. Yeah, the whole movie yeah. is rotoscoped. Robert Downey Jr., Canal Reeves, uh, Winona Ryder, Woody Harrelson. It's fantastic. It from and sci-fi movies. It's in my top tens. I'll have to check it out. Um, yeah, and uh, Robert Downey Jr. character is fantastic, like um, conspiracy theorist type person. Uh, Hot Probs, the radio call-in show featured in the movie, is a version of the nationally distributed KROQ show Loveline. The DJ in the movie is James Porman Trenton, the creator and original host of Loveline. That's got to be the show that uh, Adam Carolla and Jimmy Kimmel took over. Uh, Or or is that Loveline's? No, Loveline was Dr. Drew and and Adam Carolla. Oh, yeah, Dr. Drew. That's what he had. Dr. Drew. Yeah. Yeah, I'm thinking the man show with Adam Carolla. Yeah. Oh, and he was also the narrator in the Charlie Sheen, Emilio Estevez classic, Minute Work. That's a fun movie. <laughs> it really is. All right. So, and the most of us have seen this long ago, saw it once or twice, and came back to it. So, I guess since this isn't one of those, like, Ghostbusters where we can assume everyone's seen it, we'd probably better talk about the plot. Yes, <clears throat> because it's kind of, it gets a little convoluted. So Winona Ryder, Veronica Sawyer, is part of a clique of four girls in this high school known as the Heathers. Yeah, they're all named Heather, and they are basically uh, the top most popular girls in school. And she, until very recently, was not particularly popular, but she's kind of like their pet. She's lowest of their social strata. Yeah, she's like a Heather in training. Yeah. Um, They're cruel. They're mean for no reason. They're egotistical. They are incredibly hostile and mean to each other, even. That was something Mm -hmm. that kind of blew me away that I had forgotten about this, that it's not that they're just mean to, you know, all everybody else in school. They're straight up slapping each other around. Oh, yeah. There's a definite hierarchy even in the four of them with Heather Chandler at the top, then the cheerleader McNamara, then Shannon Doherty, Heather Duke, and at the bottom is Veronica Sawyer. Mm -hmm. And shit just flows downhill even among the four of them. Yeah. So I'm kind of like Veronica then. Uh, I'd say you're probably a Heather Duke. (laughs) I want to be Veronica. You want us (laughs) to shit on you? I am German. Jesus. I thought you were more dump truck. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> let's face it we're all dump truck yeah <laughs> at least dump truck has a cool little car <laughs> um first thing i noticed about this movie shoulder pads um big hair big hair and shoulder oh, yeah. pads yeah don't don't go in expecting a timeless uh across the generations thing this one says we are in the 80s and screams it at you through the entire yeah. movie well, and it's specifically late 80s early 90s to the point where it would be the same fashions we had when we were in high school in 91 through 93 i'd already graduated yeah speak for yourself <laughs> okay <laughs> pat had already been working as his 401k established <laughs> oh wait no he never had a 401k sorry yeah are you kidding me um no so benefits. Veronica has decided that she's had enough of this and really at the outside of the movie really cannot handle is getting sick of the Heathers. Enter Jason Dean, JD, who's the new kid in school sitting in the corner, basically uh, 
He's he's Columbine all rolled up into one. No shit. I mean, this is definitely you could tell how much this is before Columbine because uh, you look at him and his characterization, and now everyone's like, "Yeah, this kid's gonna shoot up the school." Well, and you think about his introduction in the film when he pulls the gun in the lunchroom, proceeds to shoot the two jocks with blanks, and he gets suspended. Which, by the way, if you shoot somebody point blank with a blank, they're still gonna get hurt. Right. Oh yeah. Right. Well, aside from that, he only got suspended. I. What a weird conversation. It's not like there were real bullets in the gun. They're just gonna suspend him. Right. What the I mean, hell? Nowadays, <laughs> he would have been arrested. Yeah, and, now you're literally going to go to jail nowadays. Oh, yeah, they oh, would have arrested sure. him just for wearing a trench coat. So I mean, this was the, this was the time when like the um the stereotype of the uh, kid in black gonna scoot, shoot the school up was like you know a joke kind of thing, and then suddenly it happened. <laughs> yeah, we probably still shouldn't have joked about that that much. Gave him ideas. Yeah. Because everybody, you know, would be all like, "Aha, the guy in the trench coat," you know, and make like little, you know, and then suddenly it started happening where people started shooting up schools in black trench coats, and mm-hmm. you know, maybe we shouldn't joke about this anymore. Well, and at the beginning of the movie, you are kind of sympathetic to him, like he's extreme, but the people that he ropes uh, Veronica into killing with him are horrible people, and their deaths are sort of cartoony. Mm-hmm. Well, that's and that's and go to the plot side of it again. So Veronica, they're doing a a survey, lunchtime survey. So he goes over and she goes over to Christian Slater, starts asking Jason Dean these questions, and they kind of connect. So he starts talking about they these people need to die. And she thinks he's kidding until he starts mixing up a Drano cocktail to give Well, she them. herself has talked about she wants to kill them, but she to her it's only talk. Oh yeah, right. she's right. just venting. It's- it's teen angst fueled by the fact that her quote unquote friends, like their vehicle to popularity is t- going to a college party to effectively get date raped, which like talk about your second big plot point. There's like, wow, I'd forgotten how dark this film was. Yeah. And there's no like cotton candy beginning bang or dark. This is dark immediately stepping into the movie. Well, yeah. Uh, you just look at the scene where Heather Chandler is basically forced into giving head is upset about it, regretting it, feeling like garbage. And then immediately pressures Veronica, you know, and gives her a shit about not having sex with the the same guy. I'm just, I was on the floor. I was like, what the hell? Yeah. I want to know what she was drinking that caught on fire that quick. I think the insinuation was, it was like a roofie or something. Oh, that Winona got. Wasn't like grain alcohol or something. I, I mean, it was one or the other. I mean, that's the way I, I, yeah. I took it. Was, so, that's either supposed to be like an over-the-top reference because, I mean, let's face it, this movie was not subtle. So like an over-the-top <laughs> reference to like, that there was something not normal in that drink. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. Well, And that's a fair yeah. criticism on one level is that definitely if you're going to tear it down, it is really on the nose. I mean, this is, this is one of those uh, instances similar to Starship Troopers where – you know, you're just beaten over the head with the fact, hey, this is satire. Here's our giant satire hammer. Let's keep smashing you in the face with it. And it just gets old. I mean, I, I just I don't like that type of satire. I like a more subtle, realistic type. You know, I mean, this is just it's just too cartoonish. You know, I mean, it, you're, you're trying you're trying to, like, put Beetlejuice into the real world. And, and you're hiding that with, you know, oh, well, it's satire. You know, it's like, no, it's just it's just I don't know. I don't enjoy this type of 
satire. I'm going to say satire one more time. <laughs> satire. Yeah, for, for me, it went through and sort of broke through the other side and didn't play it safe, especially as we're about to get to with the character turn for JD. Because if this was made now, uh, even aside from the things that they can't say, I don't know that they would have taken the character turn for JD that they did in, in a modern film. And I actually appreciated them not uh, holding to the, oh, he's the cool guy and you're going to sympathize with him until the end of the film. However, with that being said, and I'll call spoilers on this because this movie is still fairly new, but <clears throat> there's the recent film. Fairly that, new? No, not this. 30 years old. I'm referencing another film. Shut your phone. Oh, okay. All right. Gotcha. Um, Better a, not be Star Wars. <laughs> no. There's a film that uh, is out or on DVD and Blu-ray now called Better Watch Out. It's a Christmas horror film about two kids who initially it seems like they're the ones that are being targeted by a home invader. And it turns out that the two kids are the ones actually have plotted the whole thing in, in the thought of eventually killing the babysitter. And it gets really dark, like American psycho level of dark. And the kids like are probably the babysitter is a home invader. No, they, they set up a fake home invasion so that they can, um, Oh, oh Jesus. trick her and yeah. then in turn flip the table and end up killing multiple people. Um, but it's it's like, uh, you know, American Psycho level of dark and very, very I was surprised that it was made. So there's still that characterization out there, but it's just now. I mean, it took this long before it, it happened again. That's so. not twisted. But, but. Yeah, someone out there will do it, of course, because somebody's always going to be the Eli Roth wanting to be on the edge of everything. So, And yeah, that's the thing is you'll see it in an independent film. Yeah, but, but it's, it's, it's never going to be released nationwide. And, and, that was a huge movie. Or, you know, it's, never, anyway. it's never going to be a uh, Hollywood darling. Let me put it that way. Right. <laughs> it's not going to be at the Academy Awards. Exactly. Right. And that's right. the thing is Heather's was not a genre picture. It was like it was full release, the release of its time. So, yeah. Yeah. And the Academy Award goes to Shooty McBang Bang. <laughs> so JD and Veronica get together and they start talking about Heather and they wind up killing her by giving her a hangover recipe the day after this college party, uh, which is. Like, Which consisted of nothing but barnacle cleaner. Right. Yeah. So she dies badly. Their idea to get out of it is to make it into a suicide, write out a suicide letter, and then there we go. Here's a great idea. Um, yeah, having been established already that Veronica is great at forging other people's handwriting. Mm -hmm. Which the suicide letter backfires, thus making Heather even more popular dead than she was alive. Yes. yes which really gets under their skin because I mean the, the scenes where they're in the, the, all the teachers are talking about how much they loved her and that sort of thing. And, Oh, she was such a shining star in my class. And uh, Veronica's screaming at television. You hated her. I mean, I think that kind of pushed her over the edge to see how people for their 15 minutes of fame turns it into, you know, to get on, to get on TV, just say something about nice about somebody who they actually hated. Yeah, they turn, sure. it into, it's a, they turn it into an opportunity for themselves. You know, yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. So things kind of calm down until 
Yeah, you've got these two football player characters who have been in the background, and whenever they're beating somebody up, there's always like this homophobia, latent homosexuality thing. Like, regardless of why they're beating somebody up, the first thing they go to is you're gay. And you have to you have to talk about how you like big dicks. Right. Yeah. And I cannot lie. So their whole thing after uh, one of the Heathers convinces Veronica to go on a double date so she can go out with this football player. And they well, wind she up bails on the double date. And the next day, the cows. football players are talking about what all the things they did to her last night. Yes. So she's aggravated about that. She's pissed. And uh, J.D. gets the idea that he's going to put them into a stupid situation where they look like they're gay with gay magazines. They're going to be nude by saying that she's going to meet them in the forest to shoot them with Ikluga. <laughs> right, dummy bullets. Yeah, these are Ikluga bullets, which actually means I'm lying in German. Ah, clever. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, so, um, but... Uh, so they risky, get, that's your risky chance to take to the smart girl. I know, right? Doesn't know enough German to call that out. You know how you know she's smart? <clears throat> the monocle. Yeah, that was weird. Uh, so she they she calls the two football players and tells them to meet her in the in the forest at dawn, and they're gonna get it on. She tells them to strip, and when they strip down, she pulls a gun, shoots. Who does she shoot? Ram. She doesn't shoot either of them. JD sh- pops out from behind a tree and oh. shoots one, and she misses. Yeah, she, uh, JD shoots Ram right in the throat. Ugh. Uh, and then Veronica misses Kurt, who takes off. So JD takes off after him, and then she realizes that Ram is dead while JD's chasing down Kurt, in, apparently in one great big circle. Right. And uh, then the cops who were in their squad getting... Getting baked. Getting baked in there, which was kind of ridiculous. Uh, they hear the gunshots, come out, find the guy, the two boys naked with gay material around them. And the, I, I laughed out loud when they, when they pulled a bottle of uh, mineral water. That was what did it. That was what explained what was going on yeah. for them. It's like, oh, this is what this is. There's mineral water. They're gay. Um, but his expl- explanation for it, it's Ohio, unless you got a bottle of beer in your hand 24-7. You might as well be. Um, so now these two football players are dead, and they turn into celebrities after the after their death also. I love my gay dead son. Yeah, yeah that's that's the big line from the movie, mm-hmm. in my opinion. That's, that's the one that has stuck with me and that I've heard people quote. Yeah. And uh, uh, Otho as the priest from Beetlejuice. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, on He's Dead Too. I didn't know that. 2010. Was it a suicide? Yes. He, he Better look into that. He shot himself in the throat, surrounded by gay porn in the middle of a forest, just to refer <laughs> I thought, back to... I thought he drank particle cleaner. Yeah. Like, what kind of a horrible uh, fucking coroner do they have in this county? Well, the, right. co- the cops aren't exactly awesome either. But I'm just saying, the first girl that quote-unquote committed suicide, you know, had drain cleaner in her mouth. Well, and they yeah. didn't they didn't check uh, the gun the, the the two dead jocks for like powder burns on their hands or anything either. I well, yeah, but one of the main themes of the film is institutions fail kids. Like, I mean, I'll say when the cop picks up the gun with the stick and then immediately and then grabs it, it yeah. with his other hand. I mean, that's like yeah, so yeah. Now, every adult, every teacher, every police officer, they're incompetent, and that's not a plot hole. That's sort of the point, right? Mm-hmm. 
So now we beat you over the head with it again and again. Right. For sure. So now people are becoming popular by being getting suicided. Martha Dunstock, <laughs> who's known as Dump Truck, has uh, had enough, and uh, she walks into traffic with a suicide note taped to her. Actually, tries to commit suicide and fails. Like, is the only person in the movie that really actually tries to commit suicide. She's and also it, maybe the only uh, sympathetic character in the entire film. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what I'm, that's, yeah, I'm getting at. Like, like the one, the only one that actually tries it, and the only one that gets made fun of. <laughs> like the only person that that is actually like needs help and is reaching out and all this kind of stuff, and is like the real teenage issue, and she gets completely made fun of and ignored. Hey, Pat, satire. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah, I mean, I think you're <laughs> supposed to like Veronica Sawyer, but. I'm not sure if you're thinking about the film critically. You should. Uh, I think that maybe she's a little less culpable than all of the other characters who are pretty much awful. But uh, the heavy girl dump truck, she definitely is someone that is blameless. I, I don't really see any downside to her character in terms of being a person. No, I mean, she's just it, it, she's. She, like I said, she is the only sympathetic character. She probably is the only person that's actually likable or good in this movie. I wouldn't say likable. They didn't really give her much of a personality, but good is definitely correct. Uh, There's a scene that I think is kind of important that I was impressed that they included just because they could have cut it uh, was when she's just sitting alone in the gym and the last straw is her dumping the... uh, drink down her shirt, which is from the band that's doing the cheesy anti-teen suicide song. Yeah. And there's just this look on her face like, yep, this, this is, is it. my life. Figures. So then the big idea, now that... Uh, oh, also, um, Heather Cheerleader tries to commit suicide by stuffing her mouth full of pills. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah, stops her. Yes. Well, yeah, because and- now we're at the point where we're at the turn in the film because uh, uh, Heather's uh, – sorry, Veronica's had enough, and she – maybe J.D.'s right that on some level she wanted this to happen, but it's gone too far, and she doesn't want to be a part of it anymore, and she rejects him. And her rejection of him as a boyfriend immediately – he, he he can't have it. He can't handle it. Yeah, pushing yeah. him over the edge, definitely. Yeah, he goes full psychopath at that point. Yeah, it's uh, and and what's there's a really weird when you meet um JD's dad, you kind of get an explanation. Dynamic, yeah. Yeah, like they call each other dad, and you know the dad calls the son dad, and vice versa. And there's this whole kind of like maniacal feel to both of them. Then you discover that the father is a construction work. You know, he owns a construction company and gets his business by blowing up and destroying landmarks, landmarks, and then goes in to go fix them up. Well, and their interactions, I, my take on that was it was the natural extension of like someone passive aggressively saying you're welcome when you don't say thank you. Their entire interaction is this is what you should have said to me. Hey, Son, introduce me to your girlfriend. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's it's their it's their way of like uh putting each other in their place while also pretending to be playful. Right. Mm-hmm. Very passive aggressive. Yeah, a lot yeah, and of it was one of the things that I thought elevated this beyond edgy teens trying to tell us how uh high school's bad. 
Yeah, there were certain moments like that. I mean, I did, you know, their interaction, while it was a little odd, you know, when you when you analyze it enough to figure out that's what they're doing, I thought that was good, and that was subtle. You know, they, they it wasn't beating you over the head with it, you know? Well, and that's the same so, thing with um, Veronica's parents. Because, I mean, like, er, almost every time her, you know, her and her dad, the ending um, statements yep. were, why do I smoke these things? Because you're an idiot. Oh, that's why. Oh, you too. Hey, I gotta run. You know, that's... That you was, want some passe? Yeah, I mean that was the the ending for all their conversations, and they had this kind of I uh, I hate to say, but they were the satirical, out of touch parents. For well, sure. I mean, plus, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, plus JD's dad. When your role model as a kid is a guy that takes joy in destroying things that people love, it's kind of not the best role. Oh, yeah. yeah, and her parents were going through the motions, and that's I, I kind of think that's their whole life. It's like, these are the things we're supposed to say, so this is how our interactions work. Mm-hmm. Oh, your boyfriend came by and said that you're feeling suicidal. We should keep you away from sharp things. Oh, she left the room. I guess we're done. Right. Um, first off, if JD showed up at my door telling me that my girls were suicidal, I'd be like... Get you know he just radiates crazy, so it shows exactly how out of touch. He radiates a bad Jack Nicholson impression. Right, right. Satire. (laughs) (laughs) So now JD kind of tips his hat to his big plan, which is to get big fun to perform on campus, and has all the kids signing a um, petition. To, to get them to play. Well, some people, they tell that. Other people, they say that they're going to put a hot tub in the lunchroom. So basically, the end, end game of this is to get all of the kids in school to sign one piece of paper, which then turns out to be a suicide note that's supposed to be from everybody, and JD's planning on blowing up the, the school. Yeah, and to do this, he's taken Heather Duke and has decided he's going to blackmail her for compliance. And then that's his stick. And his carrot is to say, hey, there's a void in power at the school. You could be the new Heather Chandler. Right. And she's she always kind of wanted to be. You see, even from the beginning, she wanted the red color that because uh, they all wore color coded outfits. Chandler mm-hmm. was red. McNamara was yellow. Uh, Veronica Sawyer was blue and she wanted red. She wanted to be the leader all the time, but she was second to bottom of their hierarchy. So he's like, if you don't do this, I'm going to ruin your reputation. And if you do this, you're going to get what you've always wanted. And the ridiculousness of ruining her reputation was a photo of her when she was like 11, like in Girl Scouts with, with another unpopular person from five, six years ago. I suspect that was fat camp. Was it? Oh, it was. Oh, okay. The, here's my take on it: is because they didn't explicitly say that, but uh, if you remember, she was bulimic. Oh, that's right. I forgot. So about she's that. been puking for years. I believe she was uh, a fat girl who hung out with another fat girl, and this was his was dump truck. They, they yeah. said they specifically said it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh. So yeah, probably a fat camp with picture with dump truck. Yeah. yeah. But um, so now JD has got this plan in a way for Veronica to get him off her case. She fakes her own suicide. 
Oh, yeah, because he telegraphs that he is, if she's not going to get back with him, he's going to write a suicide note in her handwriting and kill her. Yeah, you're going to get right. suicided next. So she takes him on in that and fake hangs herself, which that was kind of weird, like when her mom shows up and her first thing is, I'm sorry I didn't let you take that job at the mall. Um, It's kind of weird. Uh, Kind of, you know, but... um, Yeah. <laughs> you said it again. But uh, so she goes after now that JD thinks that she's dead. Discover that he is wiring the the bleachers with explosives and putting what what I wrote this down. What does that mean? Thermite. Thermite. Yeah. No, he put a put something in the basement. I put a put a Norwegian in the basement. <laughs> That's what his dad called. Yeah, I've never heard. I've never heard of a uh, and Norwegian. I think is probably one of the last nationalities that i would equate with i wonder if they created c4 or thermite because that was the thing is like most of the bombs were just dynamite but the idea is you have one big bomb that sets off all the smaller ones right so when they have their pep rally then they're all gathered together in one space so it gives them the perfect place to blow them all up and leave the suicide note as the ultimate yeah don't look up norwegian as slang for bomb you get all i'm probably on a list no. Okay. <laughs> um, so yeah, so he sets that up the whole time. There's a pep rally going on upstairs. They're in the basement. Heather catches up with him, and the combat ensues, where Heather kind of holds herself, holds her own until JD knees her in the face. Ooh. No, that was how it started. He, he tried to knock her out at the beginning, and then she came, came to. Oh, and that's right. That was uh, at the beginning. Shot his finger off and all that stuff. Yeah. yeah so she uh, disarms the bomb, steps out of the out of the. Uh, the boiler room, which is directly underneath the gym, and walks outside as JD catches up with her, and he's bleeding out, and then exposes the fact that he actually has a bomb strapped to himself, and he blows himself up in front of the school and lights her cigarette. Great. Well, he he gives his kind of manifesto about what he's everything. doing. Yeah. But, and that was the thing is he he basically you beat me. I'm still going out. I'm not going to go to jail over this, uh, but fine. You save the school. You win. He kind of his his way out was kind of a tip to the hat when he's like, "You've got power. Fine, okay. You win, but I'm still going out on my terms." Yeah. And then she goes back, finds dump truck, and they go have a movie night. After she takes the red oh. back from Heather Duke. Yeah. She steals the uh, red hair hairband from Heather Duke, basically indicating that she's going to create a new, well, uh, a new hierarchy at school that won't have the same. Yeah, she's going to be top dog at school now, and it's not going to follow the same patterns as. Uh, and everybody can be friends. Yes. Well, Heather. Well, she ends it with she takes a scrunchie and says, "Heather, my love, there's a new sheriff in town." Right. So kind of like I'm. Um, by the way, I'm going to keep an eye on you, you psychopathic bitch. <laughs> you know. I, okay, things I've noticed. <laughs> Nobody ever said how very. I don't recall anybody in high school saying how very. No, this this movie was trying to introduce a lot of new slang. I mean, it, it really was. That, like, what your, that, was, that was specifically written for the movie. Okay, like, how very. The what? They, yeah, the way they spoke was written for the movie. It wasn't like supposed to be a reflection of the times. Okay, what's your damage? That was another one. Yeah, the fuck me gently with a chainsaw, all that, sh- you know, all those little cute little, you know, 
phrases that nobody ever actually says were written specifically for the movie. To but it was so fetch. Yeah. Well, I, and I ended up hearing many of those phrases, but it was after the movie in response to the movie. Right, mm-hmm. right. Patrick, before I forget, what's up with Daniel Waters? What do you mean? You said he's your least favorite screenwriter. Well, I just looked up all the movies he's written. I was like, yeah, I hate that movie. Yeah, I hate that movie. Yeah, I hate <laughs> okay. that movie. I was like, okay, well, this guy sucks. Yeah. Something else that I noticed about the conversation with J.D., early on in the movie, he comments, the last time I saw my mom, she was waving to me from a, a library window. The waving to me from a library window in Texas. Yep. Initially, I thought it was some weird JFK assassination thing yeah i thought he was trying to reference something yeah like a like a yeah exactly so i was on that boat with you too and then it turns out that the mother died when she ran into a building to stop the father from blowing it up no i think she was just straight up committing suicide like she yeah oh okay well that oh god yeah. that's even worse that was yeah, his trauma that made him the way he is and probably his, created that his hostility mother, his mother to get away from from her husband Ran into a building he was blowing up, knowing it was going to blow up, stood at the window and waved goodbye to her son. And, and his then, father's reaction was all of nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Which there probably in- immediately started the hostility between, you know, the two of them, you know? Yep. So, <laughs> some of the other comments in there. Uh, I, I'm sorry, my favorite line in the entire movie had to be from Veronica's dad with, I don't patronize bunny rabbits. Okay, I'm the only one that noticed that apparently. <laughs> no, I, I I knew the I know the line you're talking about. Okay. I, yeah, and he was tr- going through the uh, I'm goofy dad with dad jokes, but yeah. he's still not helping. Like there's there's some serious problems going on here, and I'm not gonna say that uh, you're wrong, Pat. Where this is like an edgy teenager's idea of I'm gonna make this brilliant deep movie. Uh, about how bad society is. There is a lot of that there. I do think that some of the specific decisions they made in terms of scripting and shooting the film elevate it a little past that, though. I th- yeah, there's definitely some moments, but it just overall the dialogue is so forced and clunky that I just I can't get past it. The dialogue is my main complaint with this movie. But it wasn't intended to be a realistic portrayal of high school it was intended to be a hyper realistic situation to get the point across right exactly. and, and, and those are the things in movies like this that drive me nuts it's like you, once you've established that you don't have to beat the, the the viewer over the face with it like we get it we you know we don't yeah, you but, don't need to keep one upping yourself in but the at movie. the same time if they're if they're portraying high school as this ridiculous parody and of itself if they stop doing it what's the point Right, they they break the world they've created. I don't, I don't, I, yeah, I don't say you have to break the world, but you could continue the same. You know, I mean, you don't have to ramp it up so much. Like the whole, like every funeral got more and more ridiculous. You know, and but there was that no was need for that. You know, I, I get it. I mean, I I, I but get see the if point. they don't if they don't keep like, doing just, it, just, what's just the point? <laughs> just because I don't like it doesn't mean I don't get it. The point is, is like if it was a little bit more realistic, a little bit more realistic you can't really tell the story. And I guess I understand you don't like the story they told. Right. Yeah. But I don't think you could, I don't like the vehicle they they told the story through, I guess. I definitely think that the creation of this is not realistic. We're creating this unreality and making you uncomfortable. It it was a conscious choice. And that, that is something what you just said there is you're making you we're making this movie to make you feel uncomfortable. 
Katie actually commented that she goes, this movie makes me feel awkward. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I, I don't think that's, I feel awkward because this film was poorly made. I feel awkward because this film was trying to make me feel awkward. Mm-hmm. And it succeeded. I, Cause yeah. I think See, when I, 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 don't necessarily, I don't necessarily find virtue in that. I mean, it, it, I mean, I don't know. Well, when you're it, awkward like, oh, all the time, Pat. Like, oh, I could do whatever I want. <laughs> I'm David Lynch. That doesn't that doesn't make it virtuous. Just just being weird for weird's sake. You don't know? bring Lynch into That's this. That's incredibly <laughs> reductive. Because if you are, I get that you don't necessarily like being beat over the head with it. But it's not just being weird for weird's sake. If you're trying to give a different feeling from every other movie that's out there, whether that's a positive feeling or a negative feeling, you remove those things that are over the top, that do go too far. And what you've got is you've got every other movie. I've got enough of every other movie. Occasionally, I want something like this. Exactly. I, don't know, I guess it's just a, a matter of choice. It's like, I don't want something like this. So I get, I get your point. I mean, I'm not saying it's invalid or anything. It's just, you know, it's not my cup of tea. Oh, for sure. And uh, that's the thing is I'm not saying uh, it, this is brilliant and everyone should love it. I mean, I, and I acknowledge your problems with it. For me, I, I feel that the way it was made makes it succeed in spite of the fact that JD is very transparently a uh, Jack Nicholson impersonation and the cringy dialogue and, and just Kim Walker's performance. I just didn't care for it at all. And I mean, but every, you know, I mean, I, I liked Winona Ryder's performance. I liked everybody else really for the most part, but those two characters I did not care for. No. Um, Oh, go ahead, Joel. Oh, I I missed part of the conversation there for a second. I just wanted to comment real quick before I forget. Um, sorry, I had myself muted my headphones off for a moment. <laughs> um, when I originally saw this, it was pre-Columbine. And having not seen it since then and now being, what, 20 plus years on? Well, not quite. Anyway, um, the, the thing that kept bringing through my head was that this film could never be made today. And I think that you were talking about that awkward feeling you get was intensified even more so because of the world we live in now. Um, oh, that's a good I, point. Yeah. I, I think it struck a lot harder to me as a 43 year old man living in a world where school shootings are, are very common versus me in 1997, whenever I saw it before that all happened. And was just kind of like, Oh, well that was kind of interesting because we live in a world now where this isn't satire. And this is actually sadly someone blowing up an entire school is sadly a, a possibility. It's something that we in the back of our heads are all kind of waiting for. Exactly. Right. What they and, wrote to be over the top and, and, and unheard of now is like, wow, that was way too close. That's almost, it's almost the next step really. You know? Yeah. On a very superficial plot level, the most direct modern thing is mean girls, which we're going to talk about in the second half. But I think if you're getting into the themes and how we talk about those themes in media, 10 Reasons Why is probably a better analog to what the film was really about. Mm. 10 Reasons Why. I don't think I know that one. It's the Netflix, Netflix series about a girl who commits suicide and leaves behind us a set of tapes. And each tape talks about how one of her classmates drove her to do what she did. Hmm. And each episode focuses on one of the classmates who's called out in the tapes. Damn. Yeah, it's getting a lot of good reviews, a lot of good press. Sounds well, yeah. Very controversial, too, because uh, people are talking about how it may glorify suicide or make it sexy or cool. Yeah. Oh, it's sexy enough. You don't need to. Which just kind of did that, but with murder. 
Not well, and just like that. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things that kind of impressed me was because of the sense of unreality, there were some things that were realistic about the experience of what the popular kids went through in high school in the 80s that you don't actually see in a whole lot of other movies. That whole, like, girls going to a uh, college party and the horrible things that happen there even though it's played very unrealistically, that situation was something that I find out years later hearing from some of the kids in high school. Oh yeah, that happened. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's, you kind of get a sympathy for the popular ones and the, what they, what they mentally are going through and trying to keep so they can continue being the popular ones. But it's all, I mean, as far as like the the character of Heather Chandler, it's all like self-induced rules and pressure that she has created that she's trying, you know, she, all this, she's making a world full of all this stress that she's got herself. It's, it's like, if you would just, you know, as the person who is quote unquote, the leader of the school, if you would just fucking relax yourself, everybody else would relax and everything would be a lot easier. Well, but I think she's trying to take out her, her anger on everyone your, else for treating her that bully. way. It's your typical yeah. bully where she she's unhappy in her own life. But I mean, the truth of it is she's really not. She wasn't unhappy. She just, she didn't commit suicide because she was unhappy. She got killed. And that, you know, she's just really genuinely not a good person. Oh, yeah. I thought you said Heather Duke. Right? That was Chandler no, Duke. no, I'm talking about Heather Chandler. Yeah. No, I mean, that's, that's what I find funny is, is like, she's just genuinely, is just not a good person. And even if you're right and you probably are, her perspective on that is if it wasn't me, it would be someone else because that's the way the world works. So it might as well be me. I'd rather be top than be bottom. Mm -hmm. And I don't disagree with that sentiment. I mean, it's much better to be Kim Jong-un than to be a, a fucking, you know, rice farmer in North Korea. hundred percent. That was a weird parallel, but <laughs> it's always better to be the leader is my point. <laughs> the dear leader, you mean? That's what I'm, ooh, I'm going to have people at work call me that. Dear leader. <laughs> All right. Now, okay. Now that Patrick's jumped off a cliff, we're, I think we're going to take a break. Holy crap. Um, <laughs> we're somehow going to be lightening things up from here. Yeah. So we'll be back in a little bit. We're going to take a little break, and uh, we're going to talk about what year? 2004. Mean Girls. My that first viewing. 30% chance it's already raining. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll be back in a bit. All right, we are back and we are talking about Mean Girls 2004. Uh like like Josh said earlier, this is not the best parallel that we could have made from then to now, but it's, it's got, the closest we're going to get from the now. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, and on its surface, you've got a clique of four girls with one of them being less popular taking down the rest. Right. Like, if all you had was the plot summary, they're the same movie. Mm -hmm. And we do have the plot summary, which is Katie Heron is hit with the plastics. The A-girl clique at her new school until she, for some reason I was going to pull a Joel there. <laughs> That's what I was, I was just about to say. You all right, Joel? Yeah. Just for a moment, October. I was going to say cliche <laughs> uh, at the click in her new school until she makes a mistake of falling for Aaron Samuels, the ex-boyfriend of Alpha Plastic, Regina George. Once again, that's uh, 
That's technically the plot. Yep. Right. <laughs> and uh, technically what happened, but not really. Uh, this is yeah. directed by Mark Waters, so who's done Vampire Academy, 500 Days of Summer, uh, Spiderwick Chronicles, Freaky Friday, which we watched not too long ago. I really and, like 500 Days of Summer. I haven't seen that one. You really liked it, Pat? Yeah, because... Sorry, it, I, was, I was in the middle of trying not to, <coughs> not to cough. I had muted myself while I was... Well, you know, anyway. Yes. So, um, I really like 500 Days of Summer. To fix that in post. <laughs> okay. I'll put it on the list. Uh, written by uh, Rosalind Wiseman, who wrote the book, uh, Mean Girls, was... What was the actual name of it? Something else. It's um, a really long title. Yeah. It's something about yeah, jungle life or whatever. Bees right? and wannabes helping your daughter survive clicks, gossip, boyfriends, and other realities of adolescence. Yes, but... Oh, shit. Yeah, nice. like I thought it was. well, here's the thing. It it wasn't a work of fiction. It was literally a help book to help your kid, help your daughter survive high school. The screenplay was then written by Tina Fey. Yeah, and I think that was when it clicked for me when I first saw this movie. And my expectations from looking at the posters and the trailers was, oh, this doesn't look very good. And then I saw, I was like, holy crap, that was so much better than I thought. And then I saw Tina Fey wrote it. I was like, okay, now I get it. Yep, I've been a Tina Fey fan for many, many years, and I was I was actually excited when I knew this movie was coming out. Nice. It was her first screenwriting credit, uh, and she when she originally licensed or optioned the book, she didn't realize that it wasn't a <laughs> a story, and uh, kind of freaked out when she realized she had to translate it. To write the screenplay, you mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Starring Lindsay Lohan. Back when she was some semblance of normal and not a coked out. Though she's oh, gotten yeah. better, hasn't she? Yeah, but this is peak Lohan. Like, yeah. top of her career. Yeah, this is the Lohan. This was, this was the movie that was supposed to start her career into superstardom. Truly. I mean, it really was. Like, mm-hmm. like she was, you're right, she was at the top of her game at this movie. Yes. Uh, starring Lindsay Lohan, Rachel McAdams as Regina George. Oh, such an awesome actress. She is really good. I like her a lot. Then there's Tina Fey, Mrs. Norbury, Tim Meadows as Mr. Duvall, who was awesome. Uh, Amy Poehler as Mrs. George, the cool mom. Yeah, I've been rewatching Parks and Rec, and I just love Amy Poehler. Yeah, this might be Tim Meadows' best role too. He was. Great. Oh, he was great. He really was. Yeah, and he's <laughs> usually only okay. Yeah. Well, when you get handed stuff like the ladies' man, you know. I, I still assert that was better than it had any right to be, which doesn't I, mean it was great. I agree <laughs> with Josh. Uh, honestly, the, the, though, I the Tim Meadows got my biggest laugh in the movie with the whole when he has all the girls in the bleachers. It's not my fault I have a wide set vagina. <laughs> yeah, I can't do this. <laughs> Just <laughs> yeah, how often I say that in a house full of women. Yeah, I can't now. Suzanne, this is all you. Uh, Anna Gasteyer as Katie's mom. Lacey Chabert as Gretchen Wieners. Lizzie Kaplan as Janice Ian. Daniel Franzine, Damien. Uh, Neil Flynn as Katie's dad. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, If you don't know Neil Flynn, he is the repairman from Scrubs. Janitor. Janitor. Well, he was repairing stuff, too. I stand no, I mean, it. that's like what he was known as, janitor. Yeah, the janitor. 
Yeah. Uh, Jonathan Bennett as Aaron Samuels and Amanda Seyfried as Karen Smith. The layout on the cast for this is so weird, just because normally it's by how popular the actor is. But then you got Amanda Seyfried way at the bottom, and she should be like fourth billing in terms of both actress popularity and uh, well, I, in I the movie. I think the amount of click-throughs you have on the actual movie page, too, affects it. Okay. So most well, people going to the movie are clicking through to other people. And it's, it's just like li- some of them are just a little weird. This one's especially egregious. Yeah. Well, this is – it's listed as first build only. So my guess is this is what on Amanda Seyfried's list of movies. Where is this one of her first ones? And so, I'm pretty sure first build only uh, means that there's a cutoff when it comes to the under the line cast. Okay, yeah, this, this is this is literally her first movie. Before this, she was in All My Children and As the World Turns. Hmm. So. Do, 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 do. Oh wait, that's Sad Hulk. Sorry. <laughs> so yeah, so after this, um, trivia. Yeah, true. No, after I'll say after this, her next biggest thing would have been maybe Mamma Mia. Yeah, that's probably her next really big role. Yeah, and they're making a third one, so hooray for that. Um, so trivia, Tina Fey and Amy Poehler coached Rob Surendra on how to rap for his on-screen performance in the school's winter talent show. <laughs> Which, if you don't know who Rob was, he was the leader of the mathletes with, who had an amazing ego for what he actually was the in the movie. The killer MC. Yes, uh, yeah, it's a shame. I, I would have thought that Rajiv would have gone on to other stuff, but I looked at his uh, IMDb page, and he really kind of didn't. No. Nothing. He went full math late. After this, he only had one more uh, one more thing in 2005. Uh, Tim Meadows broke his hand before shooting and had to wear a cast, so they wrote in the explanation that he, his character, Mr. Duvall, had carpal tunnel. I kind of figured that was, was the case. I was like, well, that didn't really add anything at all to his character, so that's probably a real-life cast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Though the though the interaction between her uh, him and uh, Tina Fey, how was your summer? I got a divorce. My carpal tunnel came back, so I guess you win. Yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you could you could tell there was like some hidden tension there. Like he was interested in her, but she wasn't like kind of reciprocating it. Yeah, or, it was. Or she clueless. just wasn't picking up on it. Yeah, I think she just was oh, clueless. Oh, that too. Yeah, that's true. Um, the movie's based upon the book Queen Bees and Wannabes, Helping Your Daughter Survive, Clicks, Gossip, Boyfriends, and Other Realities of Adolescence by Rosalind Wiseman. And as we spoke of earlier, it is not a story. <laughs> a self-help book. Self-help book turned into a movie. Um, to film one of the scenes, Amy Poehler pinned a piece of cocktail wiener into her bra to encourage the chihuahua dog to bite her on the boob. <laughs> Amy yeah, Poehler. Because actually, you know, I've, I've dated plenty of women with... Uh, and you were gonna say chihuahuas. You can still you can still feel your nipples getting bit. Like so that was obviously fake. <laughs> Thank you for the insight. Wait. Just saying. Like it doesn't mean that you you know, like you have fake nipples. Right. Even though that scene was funny, it was not exactly real. What I get from this is Patrick has dated chihuahuas that have had boob jobs. What other kind of chihuahua is there? Thank you for your insight. <laughs> Yeah, Amy Poehler. I'm not, not, not going to date a Chihuahua that doesn't have implants. I mean, I have standards. <laughs> when? Since when? I do have standards. They're low, but I have them. <laughs> yeah, Amy Poehler's comedy instincts. Like every time I see like a behind the scenes in a project she's involved in, and the decisions that she said, "Well, what if I do it like this?" Just like she's got an innate understanding of how to make a scene funny. Yes. 
Yeah, she she is, and she commits. I mean, she fucking goes balls to the wall. And unlike, say, a Molly Shannon who also commits, she's actually funny. <laughs> I agree no. with you on that. I don't find Molly I mean, Shannon funny at all. I, I, I give her 100% kudos to, to how well, how much she commits, but I just don't find her that funny. All right. So as we did, let's do a little little uh, conversation about the, the plot of this one. So Katie comes out of homeschooling. So plus 10 points to them for homeschooling uh, tropes. In <laughs> Africa. In Africa. She's been homeschooled in Africa, which honestly is probably the better decision. Um and they come back to the States because her mom has gotten a position at one of the colleges, and she's now in high school. Hey, let me ask you a question. Did you watch this with uh, Katie or Sophie? I did. I'm interested to know what their take on it. Yeah. I watched it with Katie. She, again, was this This movie makes me feel makes feel awkward, makes you feel like they're she's, – she's, actually, her statement was, I'm kind of grateful I don't have to deal with high school. I can see that. Because if this is if this is a parody of what's going on in high school, I don't even want to see the reality of it. Was kind of her uh, her take on it. And I had actually found out that she had seen this before. She had watched it already because one of the girls was she, one of the girls was in Wizards of Waverly Place, and she kind of did the IMDb connection across it. Oh yeah, it was that Lacey Chabert. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Lacey Chabert was in it, and she. Uh, she watched it because there was the, you know, like I said, the IMDb trail. And, uh, you know, she she said she liked it. She thought it was funny. But, you know, and then they, with the homeschooling thing, she was kind of like, yeah, I'd like to think I'm a little bit more in touch. But her statement was, I wasn't homeschooled in Africa among coyotes and animals and stuff. So there's that, too. Yeah, Katie's, Katie's got a little more of the uh, popular culture in grass, but she might not have, like, you know, a lot of the lingo down. Like she oh. might get lost in some of the conversations as far as like the same way that Katie did. Yeah, there's I mean, there's some slang and stuff that she doesn't that she doesn't know. But at the same time, it's never stopped her from being able to have a conversation with somebody. Right. Well, yeah. So. And I, the thing is, is a lot of the times you'll see homeschool kids are weird is the gag. And that's not what it is here. The way she's different from those around her is played as this makes her adorable. And the more she becomes like the regular high school kids, the worse of a person she becomes. Yeah, mm. because at first, you know, they, they're you know what makes her different is how how much smarter than everybody else she is. But she dumbs herself down in order to you know be more accepted. Yeah, and to get the boy. Yeah, that's so fetch. Well, yeah, she starts uh, by it's one of those like I am pretending to be this awful person, and somewhere along the way, I became one. Mm-hmm. Became what I hate. But, uh, yeah, so she meets uh, Janice and Damien on day one or two of school. Day one sucks. Day two is a little bit better because they meet. she meets these two. And uh, they kind of find a connecting point that they really are feeling are, they're out of place in high school. And right, yeah, because Janice Ian is the uh, super dark, gothy, artistic chick who people are spreading rumors that she's a lesbian about. And then Damien is just too gay for uh, too gay for this world. Uh, too gay to function. Too gay to live. Too gay, too to, gay function. to function. Yeah. 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 And you know, the, uh, funny funny thing is, this is my third viewing of this movie, and it took until this viewing to realize that that's Lizzie Kaplan. I, I didn't. I kept looking at her. I'm like, why do I know her? And then exactly. I was like, oh. Yeah. I wasn't until I looked on IMDb, and secret. I was like, holy shit. Why is her hair so big? Because it's full of secrets. And I. I <laughs> 
I mean, I like Lizzie Kaplan. Ever since I saw Cloverfield. Yeah. So they, uh, Katie gets noticed by the Plastics, which I think is possibly one of the best click names ever for them. Uh, and they kind of bring her in, but Janice works on warning her about how evil they actually all are. And they were pretty, you know, like calling one, calling one girl on three-way call to talk about another girl, let the other girl listen in on it and that sort of thing. Yeah. That, that's really kind of effed up. Um... And it's your friend. It's not like you're doing it to your enemy. Well, and it falls back on the same thing as the Heathers, is that the plastics in this one are just as mean to each other as they are to everybody else to keep themselves in place, which I think uh, was really cool is a lot of that um, that fallback on uh, in the wild, this is what the watering hole would look like. You know, in the wild, this is how I would handle it. And she leaps across the table and uh, goes at one of the plastics' throats. Yeah, I, and I thought one of the cool th- decisions they made was with Karen's character, Amanda Seafried, where in a lot of the uh, little power struggles, she's sort of immune because she's a little too dumb to take anything personally. Mm-hmm. And she has no designs on being leader. Right. Yeah, she's it too clueless to, uh, to be involved in that sort of thing. That's another teen movie. Good call. Too clueless? What? Clueless. Yes. But there's no murder in this one. Yes, Joel, that is another teen movie. You know what it is? Christmas. You know what also is? Not another teen movie. Are we just going to name teen movies? Breakfast Club. Satire. <laughs> Pray for Survey Monkey. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, um, first time I've seen this one, the watering hole things. Uh, one of the other things I did like is the fact that it all happened in Illinois. Old Orchard Mall. Evanston, even. Yeah, they, yeah. they even referenced Evanston. Yeah. Yep. Uh, looking at Amy Poehler's character, Mrs. George, any woman that came walking into Trader Joe's wearing one of those sweatsuit outfits, that was a red that's flag. The, the juicy on the bottom. Yeah. Or any any writing on the ass of a mom in Trader Joe's when I worked that was just like, yeah, I'm out. No conversation I want to have with her. Um, Get the manager. <laughs> my Nana takes her wig off when she's drunk. <laughs> uh yeah just I, I just love the characterization of going down to a lot of even the minor characters uh you get these little human foibles and flaws yeah and it so katie gets into the plastics and with the encouragement of janice they're going to take them down from the inside with this plot First, I was at first. They have to take down what were the three things? I know one of uh, them was the the circle of friends, the hot body, and Aaron Samuels. Yes. Yeah, the boy toy. So the, she goes across each of them, one with the hot body, by feeding her these Norwegian energy bars that are meant to pack on pounds, and convinces her that all she needs to do is eat a lot of carbs. Are eggs carb? Um, <laughs> through the and if- First, all of their plans kind of backfire. Like, she's either so cool that she trend, sets a trend, or at the beginning, when she gains weight, it all goes to her boobs. Yeah, what is it with the boob holes in those shirts? I mean, like, <laughs> that's, that was kind of bizarre. Uh, Everything we try to do just makes her more popular. So, they try to score uh, 
know, try and take her down. But the thing is, like we had said earlier, as Katie keeps doing these things, that that needle keeps swinging from, you know, innocent new girl to full on plastic. Oh, for sure. And oh, the whole catalyst for this thing is she decides that she likes Aaron Samuels and finds out that uh, used to be Regina George's ex. And she gets publicly shamed at uh, at the big Halloween party. Yep. And I wouldn't so, even say that was. I mean, even though it was in public, it wasn't like you know anybody really noticed. Well, well it's not like a carry with a pig, pig's blood sort of situation. <laughs> but I, I don't know. I think if you if that happens, it would feel like a public humiliation, for right? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and plus, she's still in that innocent. These people are my friends. People are actually genuine, nice people. You know, she yeah, has. She, she really thought she she was going to talk to him for her sake. Yeah. Right. Right. And, and like the the big axis, the whole movie turns on is the burn book. Yeah. Which is also part of the plot was, in an Archie, one of the uh, Riverdale's that we watched. Hmm. And it was also very clunkily thrown in. Like they could have done a much better job of introducing it. Because, like, for something that's going to be your MacGuffin, like, just to be like, oh, what's this up here? You know, she pulls it out, and the rest of the girls are like, oh, I haven't seen that in forever, and blah, blah, blah. And suddenly it just becomes central to the plot. Like, it could have just been, you know, sitting out in the middle of the room, and they're like, oh, this is our burn book, just whatever. And they just explain it there. It was just a stupid way to introduce it, I thought. <laughs> uh, you're not wrong, but that's that's a weirdly picky criticism. Right? Well, I really like this movie, so i got to find little things. To <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> let it slide there's a guy walking around the back doing bad Jack Nicholson impersonations every now and then just like every time I see this I am reminded of the little things that make me love it like just the description of all the various groups yes in the school it's like uh, the band kids the, the nerdy Asians the, the band kids having sex the ba- yeah the band kids the, no. yeah the nerdy band kids the band kids that are sexually active right There are many actual laugh out loud moments in this movie, which is, uh, I think, testament to Tina Fey because, I mean, she's fu- a fucking hysterical writer. She, yeah. Her, her mm-hmm. writing is so good. And for me, this was a lot like, I don't know if you guys have seen 10 Things I Hate About You. Yes. Yep. yep. I, I had the same reaction where my expectations were low based on how it was marketed. So it, it's legitimately a good movie, but it's elevated to greatness based on my how low my expectations were based on the trailer right yeah this is one of those movies that's it's it's so good but it's never talked about by anybody hmm i wouldn't go that far a lot of well a lot of people think it's think of it as like a a chick flick and it's not you know it's it's just a a really good high school comedy that's one of the reasons i hadn't seen it for i mean what what you just said is i had never never popped up on my radar yeah, th- thought it was marketed at, like, 16-year-old girls. Well, I mean, yeah, because I, mean, I look, you know, here we have, uh, um, it was Lindsay Lohan, after, right before this was Freaky Friday, and right before that was Parent Trap. Yeah. If, if you don't know better, I mean, this could look just like a high school musical without the musical. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that we did this show just to get you guys to finally see it. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm uh, glad you, yeah, I'm glad you guys saw it. I mean, eventually it all comes undone when she realizes she's become the thing she hates. Uh, it, it blows up in her face. She gets her revenge, and 
but her grades are in the shitter. Everybody hates her in ways she might be worse than Regina George. And, and she has to take credit for the burn book because Regina won't and nothing will be solved if somebody doesn't take credit. Right. Okay. Now here's here's something. The burn book was the MacGuffin. The burn book was, you know, the big twist of that coming exposed. Katie's one defense should have been, there are people in that book I have never met. Because they've apparently been doing that book for a long time. She's only well, I mean, been there. They, they, all the adults know the situation. They even, you know, t- uh, Mr. Duvall even says at one point, you know, it's like, or no, not Mr. Duvall, um, um, uh, uh, what's her name? Tina Fey's character, Ms. 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 Norbury, at one point says, you know, I know you didn't do this by yourself. And, and she just, you know, still just kind of denies it. But, you know, so the adults know. I mean, unlike, unlike um, in Heather's, you know, this this universe is not full of idiot adults. Right. They're trying to tell a different kind of story. Mm-hmm. This is not about how the adults have failed the kids. This is about how the kids are terrible interacting with one another. Yeah. Amanda Seyfried getting smashed during the trust fall. That was awesome. Because yeah. the, <laughs> the look on her face is just so... Oh, hi. <laughs> she's, I mean, after after a million ways to die in the West and everything, she's got comedic chops. Yeah, she does. I don't know. I think the scene with the girl with the uh, wheelchair was funnier. That was funny. <laughs> and, and the other one is, do you even go here? <laughs> I've got yeah, a lot of feelings. <laughs> when um, when Damien comes out of the stall <laughs> in the girl's room. <laughs> Just little touches like that. Even the uh, super awkward stuff, like the coach who has uh, relationships with several of the hot Asian chicks. Yeah. Step away from the underage girls. <laughs> <laughs> he just bolts. Um, another one. Another one of my favorite lines from the principal was, "We should take away the summer fling from you guys." Oh, but we're not because we've already paid the DJ. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's true high school, right? Yeah. Principal yeah. logic, right there. Um, what, what does this mean? I don't understand why I wrote this note down. It's, it says, say crack again. What, what did I mean uh, by that? J- just, just say it. Well, no, ask. she was say talking about a, a crack pusher. Uh, okay. I, I'm a pusher. Yeah. A crack pusher. Okay. That was one of the big plot points that, uh, in some ways, uh, Miss Norbury was willing to believe that it was all Regina George, but there were those compelling pieces of evidence that the only person who could have known that was Katie. Yeah, yeah the pusher, the pusher word was key to her knowing it was, it was Katie on that. Mm-hmm. What's a right. marijuana pill? <laughs> it's like back, the back three people who were legitimately the best to her were the three people that she had something in the burn book about. Right. Yeah. Cause Damien also had the two gate of function made it into the mm-hmm. burn book. Yeah. And everything that she had put in there was something that had been said specifically her, to yeah. her. Yeah. Okay. Now cut to the big thing for me. Holy shit. Bus. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Regina was getting hit by the bus. I like, oh my God, did they actually just do that? That is exactly my reaction. It's like I'm sitting there watching them. It's like I, I, I did a beer spit take when I was watching. It was one of those like, okay, now they're going to have it out there. Oh, shit, no. Okay, this, and, and, and like they, they made a point of having like little fantasy flashes, you know, uh, earlier in the movie. So you're thinking that's what it is. No, no, she really got hit by a bus. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. It was like for my split second was, oh, no, it's a fat. No, okay. She's... <laughs> 
But um, and then when she goes to the uh, spring fling with that uh, that headgear on, <laughs> right? With the flowers all around it and everything. So strange. It reminded me <laughs> and her of. Mom, her mom just yanks the one piece out. Just. <laughs> no, that can't be good. Reminded. And they managed to make that scene where she's breaking up the prom queen tiara and handing it out. Like, if it was less deftly executed, it would have been super corny. Right. But it actually worked. It did. I think the other thing that kept it that made it work was. Um, uh, was Mr. Duval? You know, most people just take the crown and don't. We we don't we don't require a speech. And, and right. the reaction when she broke it <gasps> <laughs> from uh, from Damien. Yeah. <laughs> so, but no, I mean that the the whole thing. You know, uh, there was like I said, the little touches like Damien and Janice dancing and then kissing, and you know they completely skip over that. Oh my God, they've actually been you know, had a thing for each other this entire time. Was that kiss? I'm like, no. And then... Yeah, they're both like, ew. And then Mathlete... <laughs> like, okay, yeah, we tried that. This is not for us. Mathlete jumps in there and saves a moment. <laughs> I mean, there's just a lot of really uh, good throwaway humor, which is kind of one of uh, Tina Fey's trademarks. Like, you know, I mean, the jokes come so fast, you don't even really get a chance to appreciate it before you're laughing at another one. Mm-hmm. For sure. And that's one of the reasons why I have... Uh, probably seen this three or four times now and uh i've caught something new every every time yeah for sure this is the third time i've seen it hmm. so for you guys that it was your first time let, let's get some impressions now that we've talked about the plot okay i i was impressed i enjoyed it i liked it you know initially with the whole i had never seen it before and like the first time i was homeschooled and the first thing out of my mouth fuck here we go <laughs> You know, and I'm grateful they didn't do the, like, the kids in the very beginning. And the third day, God made a gun. You know, that sort of <laughs> bullshit. That was my neighbors. Um, right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, because sadly, that does exist. Yeah, <laughs> you, you've met them. Um, the uh, I enjoyed it. I, I thought it was funny. It, it had enough, um, it got dark, but it didn't get so dark that it put you off. It didn't make you like in the like with heathers it didn't make you feel super awkward in what was going on it you you can relate to yeah you know high school sucks it really does yep even though i enjoyed heathers uh i've now seen heathers twice and that's probably my limit i'm gonna watch mean girls again mm-hmm. because, um oh yay. No. go ahead i was gonna say because i think i think heathers while it it's funny but it's not nice funny this is funny, as in it's got the awkward laugh like when she gets hit by the bus. That's that's an awkward laugh right there. Um, but there's like you said with with uh, with the writing, with um, Amy po- not Amy Poehler, uh, Tina Fey's writing. There's enough chuckles in the background, a little little bit of laughing, a little bit of stuff to keep you from getting to that. Ugh, this got too real moment. So Joel, your your take. <laughs> so. This is my first time seeing it. And I stayed away from it for the same reason that you guys had talked about earlier, which is it looked like uh, a teen girl movie. And I have nothing against that. I like 10 Things I Hate About You. And I um, have seen a lot of those other other movies like that. She's all that and all those. But And I like them. They're, they're fine. They're fun. They're cute. They're teen romantic comedies. Um, and 10 Things I Hate About You was uh, elevated a bit above that. And I, I think this one... 
definitely falls in that category. Um, I don't know that I ever need to see it again. And I like Tina Fey. I've liked her since I saw her on SNL. I'm not an Amy Poehler fan, although <gasps> I did, did enjoy her in uh, Wet Hot American Summer. Wait, um, wait, wait, wait. What? You don't like Amy Poehler? I'm not a fan, no. He has not seen Parks and Rec yet. Oh. That's the thing. Is <laughs> For a lot of people, that's going to be the turning point. Yeah, he's wrong for a reason now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, I mean, that was things that kind of were working against it a little bit. But, you know, it was... Wait, what, is, what is your opinion of the movie Blades of Glory? Because that has a couple that is Will Arnett and Amy Poehler. <laughs> I own that movie, actually. <laughs> you are so friggin' conflicted on everything. <laughs> Make a choice, I, man. I've told you that my Will Arnett, I've softened on Will Arnett since Bojack Horseman. Um, Blades, I, Blades of Glory, I like because of the, the stars and John Heater and and uh, Will Ferrell. But hey, don't uh, me a biscuit. Don't me a biscuit. But um, you know, it, it was it was it was good. It was better than I was expecting, and I enjoyed watching it. But again, like I said, it's not something I need to see again. I think the best part of the whole film was Tim Meadows, and. Um, and Tina Fey, honestly. Uh, so that's, I, I think I would watch Heather's again before I would watch Mean Girls. What? But Heather's yeah, is my speed. Yeah. What? Uh, I mean, he didn't hate it, so. Yeah. yeah. I didn't hate it. I just said, it, I just it, can't I imagine wanting to watch Heather's does. again. <laughs> I didn't say I was going to. I said I would prefer that. Before this, probably. So if you were, I, I will gladly not watch Heather's again for the rest of my life. If you I were, didn't hate it, but I just I have, I definitely didn't like it, and I'm not going to watch it again. That's for sure. Tire. So if we're going to tie you to a chair and make you watch a movie, you'd be like, Oh, Heather's Flamingo. Does he have a dick in his mouth? Yeah, I was going to say, why? Why is he talking like that? If no, because he's, he's tied, tied to a chair. chair and he's gagged. You know, you, everybody, oh, you tie to a chair, you gag. gag we all we all missed the gag. Part. I, the gag was assumed. By me, apparently. <laughs> Only by you. <laughs> we were assuming dick. Why, why are you assuming I'm gagged, Mike? Because I wish you'd shut up. Oh. Oh, I'm sorry. That was mean. <laughs> yeah, Mike, I'll, that was really mean. Okay, god damn it. What, uh, what did you say, Joel? Joel's? <laughs> well, once again, I was coughing, sir. <laughs> well, this is derailed. Hey, Joel, what are we doing next week? <laughs> no, we're not done. We're not done. We're not done. Oh, okay. First of um, all, I have a question. Uh-oh. Yeah. Both for, groups of foursomes, which was your favorite out of the four? Heathers. Oh, and, which yeah. character? Which yeah, out of the four, out of, out of the uh, the Heathers and the Plastics. Ooh. Okay. I, I, got, I got this one. Um, my favorite uh, out of the Heathers was probably the cheerleader McNamara. Just because I, at first I would have thought it would have been Shannon Doherty's character, but Heather McNamara actually had probably the best arc and was the closest to a good person out of all four of them, including Veronica. Mm-hmm. So that, that's my case for her. Um, and of the plastics, it's got to be Karen. I, I mean, she so much just rolls off her back. It's like, oh, you're going to call me a slut. Whatever. I'm a slut. <laughs> You're gonna call me dumb? Yep. And I'm a little dumb. Her boobs tell the weather. Right. <laughs> that that was hilarious. Especially when she's doing the weather report at the end and she's like, It's raining. Yeah. <laughs> There's a thirty percent chance it's already raining. <laughs> it's I've got ESPN. Yeah. That's fantastic. Um I, I'm 
right in line with Josh. McNamara had the actual character arc in the film. Out of anyone in the film, she had the the most visible arc and and was the most complete character from start to finish. And Karen was just fun to watch, just because of the way the character was written. Uh, so yeah, I'm on online with Josh, in line with Josh. Funny enough, um, I line up with you guys with uh, Heather McNamara being my favorite, and I I do differ um, in that Katie is my favorite in Mean Girls. Oh my God, Gretchen! You can't just ask people why they're white. <laughs> <laughs> I just fucking love that line. That is a great line. Uh, Heather's. I'm probably gonna go with cheerleader. She was the wow, most. All yeah, yeah, because she was honestly. I mean, I you know you want to say Veronica, but she fucking killed people. Um, <laughs> she was a yeah. murderer. And you know, being the fact she was like so smart and everything, and you know, so talented and all this stuff, I want to like her. But yeah, you're right. She's she killed people. Uh, Heather, really, you can kind of tell that she she was in on it, and then she kind of she did have that arc where she just couldn't handle it anymore, and she didn't want to be a Heather anymore. And I can't pick her just you – know, even though I like Shannon Doherty, her character was just so stupid. Yeah. Uh, for here, for the now, uh, entertain, I'm going to go with for entertaining-wise, Karen Smith, because you're right. The, the complete and utter cluelessness of everything – um, though Gretchen Wieners, the Lacey Chaber character, I thought the her arc was pretty interesting. I don't think my father, the inventor of toaster strudels, would approve of this. That was pretty damn funny too. Yeah. But <laughs> but seeing her entire world not only collapse upon itself but reverse itself on her, where suddenly she's you know it it's she's not at the she's not the number two anymore. She's not Regina's bestie anymore like and you started seeing it in the very uh with the um the christmas the uh christmas singing thing the talent the talent show oh uh, yeah the uh oh what was it jingle bell rock yeah jingle bell rock. i when remember I, the name of this you know i i always stand on your right well that's I, when I there can. were only three of us so i mean it's just seeing her character go from that i'm number two i'm the good spot i'm i'm safe to <laughs> when when uh when Regina shows up with the sweatpants and finally she just snaps it. You can't stay with us anymore. <laughs> <laughs> um, who's worst? The Heathers or the plastics? Ooh. Well, they actually ended up with a body count. So I got to go with the Heathers. Nah, true. That's, I think that's where, that's where I think we kind of, that broke off. Cause I mean, Heathers isn't the, it's so parodying. High school with the murder and all that, that you can't really compare the two. As far as yeah. if you would, if you can't compare them morally. Yeah. Right. And I, I mean, Mean Girls isn't trying to give you even a, a, a uh, sarcastic, hard-hitting look at the problems with high schools. It's that's not what it's about. It's just a comedy here. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's not it's not satire. It's not a documentary. It's not trying to send a message. It's just being funny all right like message yeah well, it has the hollywood type message you know, yeah so yeah. the plastics weren't awesome but the heathers again you know you have they killed people <laughs> 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 we'd like to make you better but you murdered people um the fake out with the mini plastics getting hit by the bus at the end oh that was pretty funny yeah yeah and then oh, one call out i want to do is if you're if your spine gets broken and you're they say take it out on sports. 
lacrosse. Right. Yeah. <laughs> when, when they win and they dog pile her, they all pile on top of her. I'm like, that's not good for a spine. <laughs> <laughs> but happy had definitely happier ending on this one. A more logical happy ending on this one. Um, Tim Meadows and Tina Fey's interactions together were fantastic too. Yeah. I think between yeah, the two, I I would definitely go with like Josh on this one. It's like while I did like Heather's, I'll probably if I'm looking. I can't find a, a day where I would say, you know, I'm looking for a really depressing, dark parody of what high school was like in the 80s and 90s. Yeah. You know. Are they not supposed to go out when they're grounded? <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> when, especially when he looks at Mr. Duvall and he's like, <laughs> I'm, like I'm as new to this as she is. So it's, All right. So thumbs up, thumbs down? Or think we've got that pretty blatant? Uh, I, would be, I would be thumbs down, thumbs up. I would be thumbs up across both of them. Thumbs up, thumbs up. Yeah, thumbs up on both. All right, so Joel, what are we doing next week? We are going to uh, take some time with Decker and uh, take on Blade Runner and Blade Runner 20, 2049. Yes. October. Blade We're going to spend Runner. an hour and a half arguing about whether or not he was a replicant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to spend an hour and a half on two movies that are over two hours each. Yeah. Five hours worth of movie watching. No, here, well, here's a question. I think Which, it's obvious whether he was a replicant or not, Josh. <laughs> um, Let's just start off with that stance. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what uh, what version of Blade Runner are we watching? Well, I oh, figured yeah. we watched the final cut, the one from 2007, which I think is the Ridley Scott preferred version, isn't it? The director's cut is definitely not the one to watch because it's very confusing is what I've, I've never seen it but I've heard it like yeah, he's got theatrical cut director's cut final cut I think yeah, you should I, go with the final director's cut. cut is the one that really Scott doesn't even endorse which I find funny yeah they just threw everything back in the bucket for that one even stuff yeah, that yeah, he didn't want to use there's scenes in there that don't make sense there's scenes that contradict some other stuff and... I don't think I've ever seen the final cut so I'm with Joel just for purely selfish reasons if I'm going to watch this again I want to watch the version I haven't seen Right, let's let's do that. Let's do the final cut. Final cut. All right. So and next week, Blade Runner. I've heard, I've heard that's the. I've only seen the theatrical myself, and so I've heard the final one is the best one. Nice. And then we'll of course be comparing it to last year's Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Right. Which version of that do we want to watch? The one that's out. Sounds good. The ultimate director's cut. Final remix. Hippie. Triple platinum box set. <laughs> the the bladiest. So, yeah, if you want to tell us the version that uh, of Blade Runner we are watching is the incorrect one, you can give us a call at 708-NOW-RAP. That's 708-669-9727. Yep. Looking for our older stuff, iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher Talk Show, Podverse FM, Noon FM, and don't forget that we are on Geek Life Radio at noon on Saturdays. So very. That's so fetch. <laughs> it's going to happen. Fetch 2018. I, what? When she first said that, what? So fetch. Who says what's? A, it's a slang in England. <laughs> Stop right. trying to make fetch happen. It's not gonna happen. I'm gonna keep trying. We know, Joel. We know. Dude, speaking of speaking of scavenger hunts, before we discuss next week's topic, what? Um, Who was talking about scavenger hunt?
I don't know. Um, <laughs> Squirrel. If you like scavenger hunts. <laughs> <laughs>